Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio, and we are with CPA and tax expert for TurboTax, Lisa Green-Lewis. She has been doing this, well, it says in her bio 15 years, but she says, I've actually been doing it longer. And I said, you, you look like you haven't even been doing it 10. She looks that good. Anyway, I just had to say that, a nice little compliment. <laughs> but she's very passionate about helping taxpayers get all the tax deductions and credits that they deserve. And with tax time right around the corner, I can't think of a more appropriate person to have on Amazing Business Radio. So Lisa, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me on the show. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And tell me a little bit about yourself, a little background before we get into the meat, if you will. A little background, as you mentioned, um, I'm a CPA. I've worked for TurboTax for five years, um, been through five tax seasons here and many tax seasons prior to that. Oh, wow. So you've been doing this quite a while. And uh, when we're talking today, we're going to be talking about people who are going to do their own taxes, perhaps are working with an accountant. So we're going to be talking about deductions that we can take, commonly missed deductions, surprising deductions that people don't take advantage of. So we've got some great information. But let's just talk about the different options to start with uh, for the people that want to do their own taxes. Okay. Yeah, um, for people who want to do their own taxes, um, first of all, I would recommend going online. Uh, It's fast and convenient. You know, you don't have to hassle with appointments. You don't have to pick off work, get a babysitter to go wait in line. You could just go online. You could even do your taxes from your mobile phone. Really? Now, now, where do do you you say go online? Where am I going? Am I going to the IRS Um, or am I going to? You could go to TurboTax.com and go online there. And Mm -hmm. no matter what your tax situation is, um, there's a product out there for you, whether you're one of the 60 million taxpayers that has a simple tax return. um, TurboTax has a federal free option for you. Um, If you own a home, we have a product it's there for you if you have rental property investments all the way up to having uh, your own business or being incorporated so really i can have a pretty complicated return because that's what scares me you know i've been going to a cpa for years and and I look at the size of my return with my investments and the different K-1s that I receive. And and, and I'm not saying that I I make a lot of money on these things. I'm saying that I apparently have a fairly complicated return. It's not three or four pages long. Um, Actually, that's not really complicated. And that's the advantage of using software like TurboTax because we take the complication out for our customers. We just ask simple questions about your life and then you answer the questions and we do all the calculations on the back end we don't require you to know the tax laws Mm -hmm. which is good because i have no interest in knowing and and before we got on the show (laughs) lisa i asked you hey i want to check a a sound level can you recite the uh current tax code for me (laughs) and you laughed and you said how about if i just simplify it and i can simplify it i could i could actually describe the current tax code in two words. It's complicated. 
<laughs> and that, yes, that's what I'm here for and what we're here for. Right, exactly. So what are the most common mistakes that people make when it comes to doing their taxes? Um, some of the most common mistakes people make, uh, you know, the procrastinators out there that wait until the last minute and rush around, they may leave out a tax form like a W-2 or a 1099 form, you know, and then they will understate their income on their taxes. And then believe it or not, the IRS states one of the most common mistakes is people make a mistake on their social security number oh, that's or on their kid's social security number or their spouse. And, you know, with your kids, you have to have the correct social security number to get those valuable tax deductions um, that you're eligible for when you have kids. Right. But if you put the wrong number in, uh, not only that, they not only can't track it properly, but there's a chance that it'll appear as if you haven't even filed. Right. Yes. It, yeah. It'll be a mismatch. And if you try to e-file, um, let's say you do the wrong social security number for your child, it, it will probably get rejected. Right. Now, e-file, by the way, is when you file online. Is that right? Yes. Great. Great. So you want to make sure you have the right social security numbers. Really, really important. Uh, what else? Uh, what are some other common mistakes? Um, common mistakes, you know, just forgetting what you did last year. You may have cleaned out your closet and donated to charity. Uh, that could be worth a valuable tax deduction. So, you know, leaving out some of those missed tax deductions, um, you may have moved for a new job. So you may forget that, um, forget some of your receipts and forget some expenses related to that. That can be deductible for you. Great. And we're going to get into more of those types of deductions in just a little while. You mentioned, I want to go back to the kids and the tax credit. So, like, I have three kids. They're in college. Well, uh, one's in college. Another one's just about out of college. And, and who knows what the other one's doing right now. But uh, <laughs> I, So I claim these kids as my dependents. But I heard that at a certain point, uh, it really doesn't make any difference that they, uh, because if I make enough money, uh, I don't get to claim the kids as dependents anymore. I, I, I guess there's deductions that phase out the more money you make? Yes, um, that is true. Uh, it gets into the, the higher income brackets, like over 200000 If you're single, 250000 married filing jointly, that's where you start seeing some phase outs. And also you start seeing some phase outs depending on um, the ages of the, of the children. Right. So so my 35-year-old kid that still asks me to help pay the rent is not really con considered a dependent? Um, they can be. There's different uh, criteria. Uh, if they're over a certain age and they're not a student, they could be claimed as a, qual a relative. Ah, uh, okay. And uh, by the way, I don't have a 35-year-old a 35-year-old kid, but I'm just wondering just how long my kid can stay dependent upon me before. I know. I know there are kids that that ends up happening, and if they don't have an income, and you generally an income not over uh, $3,950, and you provide over half the support for them, then you could claim them. Oh, wow. So that's yeah. the magic number, 3950 By the way, what yeah. just out of curiosity, it, I 
everybody has to file a return even if they don't make any income. Is that correct, or is that just a myth that I've heard? That is a myth. Um, the IRS requires you to file a tax return. It's this year if you make $10,150 if you're single, and then 20300 if you're married filing jointly. So if you make um, less so than that, you don't need to file? You don't need to. However, this year there that, that new health care requirement. Um, so, you know, this year every, most people are required to have health insurance under the Affordable Care Act. And mm -hmm. this is the first year you're required to report your, ins your insurance on your tax return. So there is an exception. Those people that make under that amount, they don't have to purchase insurance. But if they do purchase insurance and they get uh, help with paying for their insurance via tax subsidy, then they would have to file. They have to file. Okay, that makes yes. sense. And, and uh, again, out of curiosity, what's the lowest amount of money uh, not filing or even filing that I could make and not pay taxes on? So is there is it like fifteen thousand dollars? Oh, you don't have to pay taxes, or is this ten thousand five uh, one hundred and fifty? If I'm single, assuming if I make that kind of money, I can't afford to pay taxes, or they they want me to use all that money toward living expenses, so I get exempt from yeah, tax. Yeah, generally they figure um, you wouldn't have to pay taxes, and when you get down to there's like a standard deduction that you automatically get. Um, you wouldn't owe taxes. Right. Okay. That would make sense. And, you know, that group of people, there's a large group of people that make that amount of money that don't file, but actually have money coming back to them. And they don't even know it, do they? Right. 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 Every year the IRS um, reports that they have a billion dollars in unclaimed refunds. And that belongs to that group of people that, you know, they may make under 10150 but they had federal taxes taken out of their paycheck, mm -hmm. and then they may be eligible for some things called refundable tax credits. And when they get that refundable tax credit coupled with what they had taken out, um, they're eligible for uh, tax refunds. Great. Well, I would imagine that most of the people listening to our show are making a little bit more than $10,150. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and it's really interesting. I read that the uber wealthy, the ones that are making millions or have assets in the millions, if not even hundreds of millions, they say are paying the least amount of taxes, which kind of in, in, intrigues me because people say, well, how is it? Well, they find all the loopholes. They, and, and I'm not so sure that's accurate. I think what they do is they make investments that probably mm -hmm. uh, the dividend income is, is lower than ordinary income, and therefore their tax rate for their income is less. And perhaps right. they, they may be retired and they really don't take a salary anymore, so they really don't have income that's based on a job or, or some type of occupation, a salary. Or, so it's all investment-type income. They may have exactly. tax-free mun municipal bonds. Uh, and I know there's something called the alternative minimum tax. I've, I've yet to quite figure out exactly what that is. And, and we don't need to give everybody a tax lesson. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, isn't that the reason that people complain that the uber wealthy are not paying their fair share, where in reality they are par paying exactly what the law requires them to pay? Yeah. I mean, they have to pay what the law requires. A lot of them 
are deferring their income, you know, putting it into retirements, maximizing their retirement, um, like you said, investing their money, as well as uh, making estimated tax payments. Right. So this is all great information. You just brought up another topic, which is uh, retirement plan and, you know, funding your retirement plan. We're going to talk about that and a number of other important tax items that you need to know before it's time to file your taxes. We are talking with Lisa Green Lewis of TurboTax. My name's Chef Hyken. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio on CBS. Stand by. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Hello, Shep Hyken here. Welcome back to Amazing Business Radio on CBS and Play It. We are with Lisa Green-Lewis of TurboTax, and we've been talking about oh, some really interesting tax ideas. And just as we were wrapping up before this uh, last segment, uh, she mentioned funding retirement plans. And I want to talk about that for a few minutes. You've got your IRAs, your Roth IRAs, then uh, you've got profit sharing and pension funds and all these different plans. Uh, can you give us a real simple simplification and a breakdown on this? Of the Roth IRA and traditional? Sure. Let's start there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, first of all, we could talk about how much you can contribute. Um, a traditional IRA, you could contribute um, $5,500. 5500 Yes. And if you're 50 and over, it's you get an increase of a thousand dollars, so sixty five hundred total. And then um, you, the great thing about either a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, you can invest in those uh, up until you file your taxes, but get a deduction for your previous year's taxes. So I have until April fifteenth of this year to contribute, but I can get a deduction on my 2014 taxes. Right. So as long as you do it before your taxes are due on April 15th, you can take the deduction even for last year. And uh, it, for those that are, uh, I, I guess, the overachievers, we can actually fund next year's IRA um, is early. Well, actually, we, we would fund, instead of waiting till 2016 to fund the 2015, we could have done it on January 1st of this year. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, you can. A so, lot of, you know, there are people who take some of their refund, if they get a refund, and actually fund their retirement for the next year. Great. So, and a traditional IRA has tax benefit right from the very beginning. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Um, that is, that's one of the ones that you can actually, you know, deduct what you contribute. Right. You deduct that right off the top of, of what you've earned. So it reduces your tax payment by as much as you contribute. Exactly. But the yes. Roth IRA is different. Yes, yes. So my understanding is the Roth IRA, you you contribute, but you don't get to take a tax deduction. And people would say, well, why would you want to do that? And the answer is because on the other side of retirement, when you start taking your money out, uh, if it's a traditional IRA, you'll pay taxes as you pull it out. 
if it's a Roth right, IRA, the, right, you you right. don't pay taxes. So basically, you paid your taxes now, and your money that you accumulate is tax free. So exactly, why and, would one want to do one over the other? Is there an is there a certain um, you know is it based on age perhaps? If you can start when you're really really young, uh, would you just say, hey, I'll pay the taxes now because it's going to be worth you know uh, yes. millions of dollars it's, when I retire? Yeah, one of the advantages of a Roth, um, it is advantageous for um, the younger generation, and also um, depending on what your you expect your income to be when you retire, uh, that's one of the planning strategies that you would use in deciding whether to have a Roth IRA or a traditional. Um, if you expect that you're going to have a greater amount of income when you retire, you would probably want to invest in a Roth IRA. So if you think so you're going to have, yeah, so, so you would be taxed less. If you think you're going to have greater income when you retire, the uh, ability to pull money out of your Roth IRA uh, tax-free is an advantage. So when I was a kid, and I say kid, about uh, 19, 20 years old, and I was getting ready to get out of college, uh, somebody said to me, "If and back then you could invest $2,000. That was what you were allowed to invest into your IRA. They said, if I would invest $2,000 starting the year I got out of college, so when I got a real job and I could afford to put $2,000 a year in, or even if I couldn't afford it, if I could save and push and figure out a way to make it happen, and I invested between the age of 22 and the age of 31, which was 10 years, by the time I retired, which is probably going to be age 70 now, I would have well over a million dollars having only invested twenty thousand dollars during those 10 years have you heard mm -hmm. anything like that is that a reasonable uh expectation um yes that is that is reasonable so that this is a great thing so if anybody is listening to this who is who is happens to be young and has that opportunity and and obviously with when you can contribute uh five uh 5500 uh as an as a single or an individual if you you know you can play a lot of catch up so maybe you don't necessarily need to start when you're 22 years old but even if you start when you're 30 i think it's a great advantage and that's the magic of compounding interest so if you get a fairly reasonable rate of return conservative nothing fancy here we're not talking about getting 12 or 15 percent a year what kind of rate of return is is pretty reasonable i mean it's 10 percent considered aggressive yeah about 10 percent okay 10 per, yeah i think 10 percent would be pretty aggressive uh the uh, that would mean it, uh, basically they call that i think the theory of 72 that every 7.2 years your money would double at 10%. So, uh, by the way, it compounds. I think you'd probably have well, well, well over a million dollars. But if you start at age 22 and stop at age 31, that's $20,000 you've invested. Even if you're getting 7 or 8%, I'll bet you'll have a nice seven-figure nest egg saved up uh, to retire with. And I think what scares me right now are the statistics that show that there are many people approaching retirement age that really can't afford to retire. Uh, they've had yeah. good living, you know, they've made a good living over the years, mm -hmm. but now they're going to have to dramatically decrease uh, their, uh, the lifestyle they have just because they didn't think about retirement. Yeah, that, that's so true. That's why, you know, I always suggest too, if you, if you're younger and you get a refund, um, take part of that refund and at least invest it in your retirement. 
Right. That's so important. All right. So let's jump over to another really hot topic over the last year or so, and that is is medical insurance and and deductions. And, you know, I, I don't know if Obamacare even plays a part of all of this, but there is a lot going on with the Affordable uh, Medical Care Act. And and w- w- give us an overview of this, because it's pretty complicated. A lot of people don't quite understand what it's all about. Um. Actually, it, it isn't complicated because about nine out of ten people already have insurance through their either their employer, Medicare, or Medicaid. Um, but this is the first year that you are required to report your health insurance on your taxes. But those people that already have insurance, um, you know, it's really easy. It's as simple as checking a box. And then the ones that purchase in the health insurance marketplace – and in the health insurance marketplace, you can purchase insurance during open enrollment periods, and there's opportunity for you to get help and paying for your insurance. So those people, they would receive a Form 1095A, um, and then that's almost like a W-2 form. You just enter the information in your tax return. Right. So basically, you're getting money back. You're, you're getting subsidized. Uh, for it, you're receiving help, right. and therefore that basically counts as income, is is what you're saying. Um, it's not real. It's a tax credit, and and it gets applied to your insurance premiums if you if you choose to do it that way. They apply the subsidy or tax credit to your insurance premiums up front, mm-hmm. and then at tax time, um, when you're doing your taxes, you figure out what the actual amount of tax credit should be based on what your actual income is. Right. So that, they estimate, um, they do an estimate based on what you think your income will be. So at tax time, you just figure out what your exact tax credit should be. And say you, um, if you overestimated your income and you should have gotten a bigger tax subsidy, you'll get a tax credit. So it'll and happen on the form, and and it'll happen based on, on what your you, taxes, right? It'll either you owe less or you'll get a bigger refund, right? Yep. And so the, the the bottom line is for everybody who files, they have to have proof of insurance, and you simply check a box to say yes, I have the insurance. And if you went through, uh, you know, the public way of getting it, the you know the Affordable Care Act, then you would you would use some different paperwork to do so. Okay, that's great. So we're we're getting some great information here on some basics. So we're right. and then there oh I was gonna mention there are some people that are there are over thirty exemptions. So there are those people that may be exempt from, from the requirements. Exempt to have from having insurance. to. Right. Well one yes. yeah, yeah, I know um, that so I, I think everybody uh, could use it. I mean, that's part of why we're doing it because it's it needs to be affordable for everybody to have insurance. And if somebody is exempt from insurance, what would happen if they got sick and they needed to go to the hospital? Yeah, that's where, you know, people have to evaluate the affordability and if they get sick, how much um, it would cost. Uh, that's where the trade-off comes in. Right, right. So when we come back in just a moment, we are going to be talk, uh, talking about some of the most overlooked and interesting tax credit deductions. We are with Lisa Green-Lewis of TurboTax, 
My name's Shep Hyken. You are listening to amazing business radio. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here. We're back again on Amazing Business Radio with Lisa Green-Lewis of TurboTax, and we are now going to talk about some of the most overlooked or missed tax deductions. This is really important. And by the way, if you're listening to this, grab a pen, grab a paper, whether you do the taxes yourself or whether you're working with a CPA, you should be thinking about these different deductions and making sure that you're taken care of. So Lisa, you had some interesting ones we were talking about uh, before we started the show and at the break. Uh, I think our listeners would love to hear about them. Yeah. Um, so some of the most missed, um, one of them that tops the list is the earned income tax credit. Uh, one out of five people miss this tax credit, um, and it's a huge credit. It's usually for low to moderate income people, but one thing to think about, um, if you have a couple that earns a pretty decent income and one of them is laid off for the year, um, you know, their income may drop where, where they'll be eligible for this credit. And that's why a lot of people miss it because, you know, they just became eligible and they don't know the rules behind it. Um, and that credit can be worth up to $6,143 if you have three or more kids. Wow. So I want to make sure I understand. First of all, you have to be eligible, but what you're telling me is that 20% of eligible people who would qualify for this earned income tax credit are not taking advantage of it. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Now my next question is, earlier in our conversation, you talked about how there is a huge amount of money that the IRS has that they're holding. Uh, You said well over a billion dollars that uh, are people that haven't received their tax refunds. Now, this is different. This isn't a refund. If you miss this deduction, uh, unless you figure it out later on and go back and amend your return, you've really missed it. It's it's gone. It's mm-hmm. 6000 whatever it is, $143 that you will never receive if you don't take advantage of it. It's not about yeah, the IRS okay. knowing about it. It's about you being diligent and doing your taxes properly. Right. Yeah. And you have three years to go back and claim a refund, amend your return and claim a refund. So oh, wow. So It's reminding people to do that. Right. So I'm um, thinking if, if for some reason my spouse uh, it, you know, lost her job or I lost my job and my spouse was working and uh, that was four years ago, too bad. Yes. <laughs> but, okay, so that's a good one. And, again, that's low to moderate income, and, you know, I'm sure uh, that's a big opportunity. 6000 you said $6,143. Yes. That'll buy a lot of nice shoes. (laughs) Okay. And then the next one, um, you know, points or loan origination fees that you um, you have to pay in order to get your loan. So a loan on your home or a car or on your home loan. On your home loan. Okay. Right. Yeah. Because they always talk about uh, when you when you uh, get your mortgage and you go to get uh, if you're refinancing or if you're buying a home. You always have your loan, and then they have the fees, and those are, and that's the points, and you say loan origination fees. Yes, points and loan origination fees. They're, they're 
the same thing. Um, and a lot of people miss these when they refinance a home loan. So let's say you, you're already um, dividing the points that you paid on your refinance, on your original refinance, mm-hmm. on your taxes. You have to divide that up over the amount of years that uh, okay. you have the loan. Okay. Now when you go to get a new home loan, um, most people are just thinking about that new home loan and they forget about the points that have not been um, amortized yet. So, And once you get the new home loan, you can deduct that full amount of points that has not been amortized. Okay, so let's say that I, I'm just going to make up a number. Uh, I have a loan out for $100,000 and mm-hmm. I was charged two points. That sounds about mm-hmm. reasonable, doesn't it? Yes, okay, it so, does. So that's a $2,000 loan. And mm-hmm. let's say that loan is, I'll just make it real easy. I know it's probably for longer, but let's call it for 10 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what that would mean is that if I held on to that loan for 10 years, I would get a $200 tax deduction because that $2,000 in points or fees is amortized or divided up over the 10 year life of the loan. Is that correct? Yes, that okay. is correct. Okay. So halfway through, I decide to refinance, which means mm-hmm. I've only deducted, uh, since I've only had it for five years, uh, I've deducted five years of amortized. I've probably deducted a thousand dollars at this point. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I go to refinance, I'll get new points and new origination fees and a lot of people, what you're saying, forget to deduct the ladder or the part of the loan that has been paid off. So I refinance right. and therefore the, right, the loan. So I missed $1,000 right there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So we need to make sure we are constantly looking at those opportunities, uh, earned income tax credit, uh, loan origination fees and points. And uh, what other ones? Um, we talked a little bit little bit about moving expenses and um i've seen this happen before too um when people move for a job um and first of all your moving expenses in order to to deduct them they have to be related to your new job your move has to be 50 miles from your old home and you have to work at least 39 weeks during your first 12 months um in relation to moving for the new job but one Um, thing that I've seen is um, some employers will pay for some of your moving expenses and they may include it in your income on your W-2. Ah, so you need to watch that. Yeah, but let's say they give you $5,000 to move and that's included in your income, but you paid $10,000 in moving expenses. So So you would need to make sure you deduct deduct the 5000 that they didn't include in your income. Right, And a lot right. of people kind of miss that because right. they think, oh, my employer reimbursed me or they paid me. Yeah, so, they paid me. I went over a little, so that was my mm-hmm. fault, not theirs. Not realizing that, and it is it is your fault if you want to go over and you choose to go over, and, may, and for whatever reason you might go over, it might just be that you chose the most expensive mover out there. But that is a deductible um, uh, expense that you can deduct off your taxes because it's related to moving because of a job. Yes. Great, great. And uh, any others that you can think of before we move on to uh, our next segment? Yeah, um, casualty and theft losses. Um, So any casualty loss on your 
you know, on your home um, related to like an unexpected event, like a natural disaster or anything unexpected in the same as your V as your car, um, you can actually deduct um, the amount that's it's like the fair market value. So if somebody stole my time. car, uh, I actually get to deduct the cost. Of, well, uh, probably if the insurance company paid for it, I'd probably get to deduct, I would think, only the deductible. Yeah, you can only deduct the part that the insurance company does not pay you for. Or let's say you do an insurance claim and they have not paid you yet, you can deduct that. Right, but if they pay you in the next year, you're going to have to include it and come back right. and, and because you have to include it back. right right just as you have three years to go back and claim a deduction uh the irs says hey you can take a deduction now if you haven't been paid but you're going to have to give it back to us they get to mm-hmm. reclaim their it's like they get to reclaim money uh <laughs> and you don't want to get caught making a mistake because I, I i know that penalties and fines are typically more than what the cost of the deduction would be and and I don't believe that they accept ignorance as an excuse. Um, yeah, that I mean that's true. You have to make sure you um, you do include these things and don't miss out. Now, do you remember years ago, uh, Steve Martin, and I'm talking in the 1970s, and I only remember this because I could tell you that I was just a really little kid, uh, but I used to listen to the record, uh, Steve Martin, and he talked about how you can earn a million dollars and not pay taxes. Do you remember that? No, I don't. You have to, How okay, do you do great. That? So you're a CPA. <laughs> so this was great. And he would say, You can earn a million dollars and not pay taxes. And he'd say that over and over again. And the audience would be going, Okay, well, tell me how. He says, First, earn a million dollars. Second, don't pay the taxes. And third, I know, I know it's funny. He says, Third, when the IRS agent comes knocking at your door, to collect those taxes and said, you earned a million dollars and you didn't pay taxes, you say, I forgot. (laughs) I don't think that's a good excuse. Uh, And they say ignorance sometimes is no excuse for the law or breaking the law. And I would think just forgetting or missing your deduction or missing the fact that you, you know, oh, I forgot that I earned that income. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's a a good excuse either. Forgetting isn't good. And those fees, many times, even if it's just a very, very small amount, uh, there's minimum fees and there's penalties and interest that you have to pay that many times is more than what it would have paid, uh, cost you had you done it right in the first place. Yes. Uh, here's one that, um, I, what about forgiving a loan? If somebody, if you loan somebody money and they can't afford to pay you, do you... I was going to bring that one up. Okay, That was good. on my list. Oh, great, yes. great. Okay, tell so me about that. a personal bad debt, yes, you can um, deduct that. If You have to have um, like a note written out. And you have to have, you know, tried everything you can to collect that money. Um, and then if you if you know you're not able to collect it, you can deduct up to $3,000. Okay. So if it's a larger amount, you can't deduct a larger amount, just up to $3,000? Um, if it's a larger amount, the amount carries forward. 
Okay, so you get to eventually. So let's say yes. uh, I loan somebody $6,000, and they I decide, you know what, they can't pay it. Uh, and if they, by the way, if you charge them interest and they were paying you interest uh, on that, uh, you have to actually include the interest as income. So we don't want to forget mm-hmm. that. Otherwise, once again, we'll get caught and get in trouble uh, yes. with fines <laughs> and penalties. But if the, we decide, okay, this person isn't going to be able to pay me back, we forgive the loan. We take a 3000 remember, it's a $6,000 loan. We get $3,000 this year, and next year we can get another 3000 Yes. Great. And what if we've done more than one loan? Uh, are we only allowed to collect 3000 between all of our loans, or is it 3000 per loan? It's 3000 a year total. Okay, got it. Got yeah, it. Personal, yeah, personal bad debt. Great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to listen up because in just a moment, we're going to talk about not just the most missed deductions, but also the most surprising deductions that you probably didn't think about. We're with Lisa Green Lewis, and she is with TurboTax. Thank you, Lisa, for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, stand by. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here. We are back on Amazing Business Radio on CBS, and we are with Lisa Green Lewis of TurboTax, and she has just shared some great uh, deduction ideas of, of, of overlooked and missed deductions. And we were talking and she says, you'd be surprised at what some people uh, might not think of a deduction. So uh, talk to us, Lisa, tell us about the most surprising deductions. Well, uh, the first one that comes to mind that everyone's surprised at, that they've probably dealt with this before, is your friend that's been crashing on your couch the entire year. Um, you may be able to get a deduction for them for um, $3,950. You have to provide over half their support. Um, They have to live with you the entire year, and they can't make over $3,950. But I bet a lot of you have experienced that and may have missed out on it. Oh, my. If one of my friends decided to say, hey, can I spend a few days while I try to get myself together, and a year later they're still there, (laughs) Does it count if I don't call him a friend anymore? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I seriously know people who have dealt who dealt with this. Oh wow! They didn't know about this tax law then, and they did. I wasn't a CPA then. (laughs) I was a long time ago. The friendship tax uh, deduction. I like that. (laughs) I like that. And uh, you mentioned uh, that your pet is also a possible deduction. I want to know how I can deduct my dog. Yeah, everybody wants to know this because. Pets are so expensive, but um, unfortunately, you can only do it if um, you use your pet to protect your business. So like in the case of a guard dog, um, you would be able to write some of the expenses off related to your dog protecting your business. So my little toy poodle has a ferocious bark. We just yes. leave, leave, leave him in the office, and when anybody comes nearby, that dog barks, keeps everybody away. That little dog is a deduction. Yes, it can be a deduction. There was actually a couple that owned a business and they, the IRS um, allowed them to deduct the food expenses for stray cats because it kept uh, mice and other 
type of rodents away from their business. So not only does, does your pet protect you from people breaking into your business, you have a case for where the cats protect the business from mice and rodents. I love this. I love this. So cats hanging around. Oh, yeah. We love them for, you know, uh, just hanging out and making us feel great because we're with their animals. But they serve a good purpose. All right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the circle of life, too. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they take care of making sure it stays safe and uh, rodent-free. Any others? Um, yeah, so many parents are surprised by summer day camp for your kids or even a sports camp. Um, if you're sending them there so that you can work or even look for a job, you may be able to, de- to deduct $1,050 for one child and up to $2,100 for two or more. So summer camp, if I'm working and I've got kids and I put my kids in summer camp, I can actually count that as like a daycare type deduction or, mm-hmm. it, and, and by the way, is daycare a deductible expense? Yes, it is. It falls under the same uh, type of credit. Okay. So a thousand fifty for daycare. Uh, but if they're in school, they're not in daycare. The kids are old enough to go to school. They're in third grade and I have a full-time job and Hey kids, let's go to summer camp. I can take uh, a deduction. That's great. That's great. Yes. Any other ones we might be missing or surprised? Um, yeah, at? I think about uh, some, I know you have some travelers out there. Um, I'm one so of them. If you, <laughs> yeah, if you traveled for a job interview, um, and you're lucky enough to travel to Hawaii, if your travel was directly related to you um, interviewing for your job, you may be able to deduct that travel. Oh, wow. Even if you didn't get the job. Even if I didn't get the job. So I'm going, well, you know, that makes sense because really, I mean, even if you're in a regular business situation, it's the same thing. If I send somebody or let's say I go up to uh, New York uh, to meet with somebody about the possibility of becoming a client, that entire trip is deductible as a business Mm -hmm. expense. Yeah. So, So it seems if I'm working on my personal life to get a job and I decide to go interview in Hawaii or, hey, how about somewhere not so exciting and exotic, but where the people are really nice. Perhaps uh, Montana's awful cold in the wintertime, uh, but sometimes it's beautiful. Have you been to Big Sky before? Now, that, that's, no, that's kind of like Hawaii, but for winter. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> and actually, summer in Big Sky isn't too bad either. It's actually a beautiful place, just a different lifestyle. But if I'm going to these exotic, beautiful locations, uh, if I'm going there to look for a job, uh, that's I'm, I'm going to get a deduction. And not only that, if I get that job and I move there, as you mentioned earlier, we want to make sure we deduct those moving expenses if my employer yes. doesn't pay for that. See, you're starting to get the logic of taxes. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> you have to get the logic of taxes because I realize I enjoy paying taxes. And that's a crazy statement. I really do enjoy paying taxes because I know that I am only paying what I absolutely have to pay. And the more taxes I pay, the more I made. So I'm happy. Mm-hmm. As long as I don't pay more than I have to, I am happy to continue to pay my taxes. So any other deductions that we'd be surprised at? Um, another travel um, deduction that people are surprised at, if you travel to get medical treatment, mm-hmm. um, so you're able to deduct things like your airfare if it's directly related to getting that treatment, as well as up to $50 a day for your hotel stay. 
Okay, and and that's for for medical related. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Any others? Another surprising one. Um, I know you may have. There's a lot of newlyweds out there, or people who may have gotten married. They may not have known this. Um, if you have your wedding at a church or a historic site like a museum um, or somewhere that's designated as a national monument, you may be able to deduct the fees that you pay to have your wedding at that site. Really? So if I am a member of an old church and our our pastor or whoever is running the church says... Um, hey, we'd love to have you, typically, uh, well, it it would make sense that it would be a charitable contribution, because isn't giving back to the church a charity uh, and a charitable, so it's it's kind of the same thing, but if you're just in an old historical building, uh, recognize that that is considered a charitable contribution, is what you're saying. Yes. Wow, outstanding, so all those people that are newlyweds getting married, and obviously that's not just for the first time. Or is there a number of mm-hmm. times you're allowed to take this deduction before uh, you know a person married six or seven times doesn't count? No, 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 it's... no there isn't. <laughs> it's still a charitable contribution. That's great. That's great. As so... well as their multiple wedding dresses, if they want to donate those to charity too. Well, so now that's a great idea because how many times do you plan on wearing your wedding dress? Exactly. Right. Hopefully I... one time. Right, so, and so... I save mine, thinking, okay, my daughter may want to wear it and she was like I would never wear that and when I look at it now because it was so long ago I wouldn't wear it now either (laughs) (laughs) that's great but so you can actually uh, donate and I would imagine the deduction is based on what you paid for it um no uh, it's the same like any charitable contribution is the fair market value so what it would sell for you know at a thrift shop Okay, got it. So it's fair market value. It's not based on what you paid for it. And I think that's no. reasonable. I think that's reasonable. So really, there's some great deductions. And as much as we hate to pay our taxes, uh, and the only reason we hate to pay it is because, you know, it's money that we would love to spend, but no, we're going to pay it. You know, we all need to realize there's a reason we pay taxes. We have roads. We have, uh, you know, great monuments and parks and and great advantages that are afforded to us because of the taxes we pay to keep our our country going. So I have no problem paying those taxes, but I want to take as many deductions as possible. So we're starting to wrap up here, and I always love to ask the one thing question as we leave here. Is there one thing that you want to make sure that we remember or make sure that we do or some piece of advice for us? What would that be? Um, I would say, you know, Go online and file your taxes. It's uh, about four weeks left, a little over four weeks. And when you get your refund, make sure you um, contribute to your IRA and build your nest egg like we talked about. Okay, great. So you have great. that million dollars. You're right. <laughs> so you have you that million dollars. Now, you're gonna, you're, you're, if we do our taxes properly, um, are, are, will we always get a refund? Because I would think if we do our taxes right, we would never get a refund. But I think that based on what you said earlier in the, the show, that uh, sometimes we're entitled to refunds. Even if we work for someone and we get our W-2 at the end of the year and there's a statement and we've been paying our taxes all along, we'll be able to get some deductions. Maybe we were married, we have kids, maybe some of these surprising deductions. Those are the refunds that we're going to get back, 
correct? Right. Those are the refunds. And then people that maybe didn't do an adjustment on their W-4 and um, were having too much taken out of their, their paycheck. Okay. And, and by the be, way, the W-4... some of the ones... The W-4 is the form that you fill out when you go to work for somebody to explain, here are who my dependents are, I'm filing jointly, I'm filing single, that kind of uh, form. Is that what a W-4 is? Yes. Yes. So um, if you have changes in your income or get married, um, you should always adjust your W-4 so they can adjust your withholding. And, you know, there are a lot of people that actually – don't want to adjust their W-4, they like getting that refund check. Right, it's a forced savings plan. It's a forced savings for them because a lot of people say, you know, I'll just just spend it. I'll go buy that Starbucks every day or, you know, and I won't have any money. Right, so the smart thing is, is, I mean, you know, if that's a forced savings plan, great. Put it away. Uh, let the IRS hold on to it for a little while. You get your refund. By the way, the earlier you file your taxes, the sooner you will get your refund. When that refund check comes in, invest in yourself in the sense of invest in your retirement and make sure that when you are older, you have money. And uh, maybe take a little bit of that money and enjoy it. Maybe give a little bit back to the community, whether charity and uh, organization. Maybe just go buy a nice new pair of shoes to make yourself feel good. But first, and foremost, invest in yourself and make sure that you have money to live on and and use it. That's some great advice. You know, you mentioned going online and, you know, part of what TurboTax is about, and I'm going to give a shameless plug. And by the way, I have no affiliation whatsoever for TurboTax other than I am grateful that Lisa Green Lewis came out here and shared her advice with us and took the time to do so. But I just, you know, a shameless plug. A great, great uh, software program. You go online and, you know, do your due diligence. Check it out. Decide if you want to use that. Uh, decide if you want to uh, take it on, uh, you know, or, or go and, and see a CPA. Your choice. But this is a great option. Lisa, I thank you so much for joining us. And I know with thank tax you. time, I know you're going to be very, very busy, I would imagine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So this is great. You've got about four weeks or so, maybe not quite that toward uh, till we get to tax season where you have to pay. So everybody, get on it as fast as you can. Thanks, everybody, for listening. My name's Shep Hyken. This is Amazing Business Radio, and I always end by reminding everybody to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.